The reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, the first 16 verses. Ephesians 4, unity in the body of Christ. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of calling in which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes up the body makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Awesome. All right. Good morning, everyone. Everyone? Good? There we are. Awesome. Well, um, thank you. It's good to be here this morning. Let me just actually grab all my props and setups and all whatnot. Um, Whoa. That was loud. Um, I was thinking just before, like, I'd really, I'm excited for next week. You know, I've, I've sort of been, yes, it's my birthday today, and so we're celebrating, and there's something nice about celebrating. Like, I never get too excited about my birthday, and then I woke up this morning, and like, oh, we actually, we had, like, the best Sri Lankan meal last night, um, so that was very good. But, like, there's something nice about celebrating, yeah? And I just want to encourage us next week, let's come together and let's celebrate what God has done through this church, you know, as, you know, as Karen was sharing, like, 2,200 people have been through an Empower program, like, and that's been, like, sort of come out of this church in a way, and just think of, you know, the Legend Project, I think of Cavell Kitchen, I think, like, over, and not that, that's just in the last five years, you think it last 25 years, all the things that have happened, the people that have been impacted, I think that's worth celebrating what God has done, as people have grown and, and sort of, mo- I guess, we talk about moving people in following Christ. Like, that's what we've seen happen. We've seen people moved in this church to follow Christ. And then they've gone out. They've been moving and they've been gone out and actually done something. And it's in the impa- impacted others to then move to follow Christ. And I think that's awesome. And really, this morning, that's, I guess, the whole idea. That actually, you know, we're starting our Hot Topics series, which I thought, what a gift my birthday thanks for 
sorting that one out. Um, but really, like, that's really what I think today, today is about, that we've got to keep that central, like we heard last week. We've got to keep love God, love others, like the main thing. We've got to keep that the main thing. And that's really what we want to look at this morning is, is how do we do that? How do we continue to follow Christ? Um, and particularly that verse that we read in there, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into Christ. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning. So, um, and I'm hoping it's going to be helpful. Basically, what we want to do this morning is sort of, I guess, lay the groundwork for our Hot Topics series, which is coming up. So you can, um, I think on the screen, we've got the, um, the topics that are coming up. We've got sort of marriage and family, uh, particularly in light of sort of same-sex marriage and all that. Um, politics debate, the Holy Spirit, sermon, life balance. Um, that's sort of what we're going to be going through in the next um, five, six weeks. And I was like, I was pretty anxious about diving into hot topics in church. Like I was like, I don't think it's a good idea <laughs> when it came up. I'm, it's just, I guess, part of my personality on stuff. But actually over the last few weeks, just digging into God's Word, reading stuff, thinking about it, it's actually been such a good process. And I so I want to encourage all of us that we would actually dig into this, that we would think about it, that we would read God's Word, that we would really sort of figure out what do we, not just what do we believe about these things, but what do we do about it? And, and how does that, um, how do we do that together as well? So I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, and I think today what we want to do, like I said, sort of give us a bit of a framework, a bit of a foundation to build upon. Um, and so hopefully we have some helpful things there. In the, in the office, we're talking about, like, why do we have hot topics? You know, particularly, like, ones within the church, where people within, like, the church worldwide, we disagree on certain things. Like, why would God allow that? You know, maybe that's a hot topic in itself. Um, but, you know, like, why, why would we talk about that? And, and Glenn gave two helpful reasons, which I think um, are really helpful. One, the Bible isn't always clear. But there are some things that, you know, the Bible is a little bit unclear, a little bit vague about. Like giving, for example. In the New Testament, the Bible never sort of says, this is how much you should give. You know, Old Testament, there's sort of strict laws and stuff, but then Jesus comes to fulfill that. And New Testament, there's no sort of just clear amount saying you should give this much. I mean, if it was, it'd be really easy, yeah? But there's sort of no clear amount, and so the Bible's unclear. And so that becomes a bit of a tense topic sometimes because... Well, you show me where it says how much I could give, and I'll give, you know. Um, so sometimes we have a hot topic because the Bible isn't clear. The other reason is because the Bible is clear, and we don't really like it. <laughs> Do you know, like the giving thing, you know, once again, I think it would still be a hot topic. It would still be a tense conversation if it was clear, because we might not like it, what it says. You know, even, you know, or it's not that we don't like it. Sometimes our culture doesn't like it. Like if you think about you know, the same-sex marriage debate, you know, I'm of the opinion that the Bible's pretty clear on that. And it hasn't been an issue. Like, nowhere throughout theological writings and books, none of the great theologians of the past 2,000 years have talked about it because it wasn't really an issue. Yet, nowadays, in our culture, it's such a big thing. And so there's now pressure on us to actually, do we actually believe what, the, what God's Word said? And now it's become this hot topic. It's become this issue of what does the Bible say? And, and there's disagreement even within the church around that. And so I think it's helpful to recognize that that's, 
I think, why we get hot topics. Either the Bible is clear and we don't like it or the Bible isn't clear. And why is that important? Because I think it, it I should, I guess, give us an awareness and an, uh, a feeling, a sense that in a way we're entering into dangerous territory. We're going to en- enter into territory where things are either unclear or where things are clear and we might not like it. And I think, you know, I had this picture of like strong currents, you know. I remember, <laughs> um, you know, we are in Thailand recently and like we went to the beach and all the local people could say is like, don't swim, don't swim, dangerous, dangerous. And we're like, okay, like where? Like just sing with the flags. But the flags was no like better than anywhere else. <laughs> but, you know, there's this, like, they said like there's this current that can easily pull you away. They can easily pull you out, you know, away from the beach danger and and i think that's what hot topics can be is they can be this sort of dangerous waters where they can very quickly this current can take us away from the main thing can take us away from what we heard last week to love god and love others but while it's dangerous territory it's not unfamiliar territory and you know ever since the beginning of the church there's always been this controversy I remember studying church history and like right from the beginning there's these controversies, there's debates, there's discussions, there's disagreements and there's all this stuff going on. I mean you can read it even in Acts 15. There's you know this debate within the church of what, what do they do with the Jewish law and the Gentiles and they're not sure what to do about it. Like right from the start there's always been hot topics. Sometimes dealt with well, sometimes probably dealt with not so well. But regardless... God has always built his church. And so while we're entering today's territory, it's not unfamiliar. God is still going to do what he does. And I think the big thing for us, and this is often what I've been nervous about, but I think I've been really convicted of, is that the waters are not dangerous enough to not go swimming. You can't, you can't just stand on the beach the whole time and just watch everyone else deal with it. That I think actually we are called to dive in. Um, you know, that the, hopic, the, hot top, the topics are hot, and the only way you cool down is by getting into the water. And that we have to engage with this. It's not enough to just sort of let everyone else deal with it. Because the reality is, more than likely, probably definitely, you're going to come into contact with, so- with someone who might disagree with you on this topic. And you've got to, like 1 Peter says, it says, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have, or make a defense for the hope that you have. That we've got to be prepared and we always have to give a reason and we have to engage with it. And that's not just for a select few. It's not just for those who are intellectual. It is for everyone to actually think about how do we deal with these. And so that's really, I think, the heart behind these next six weeks or so. That we actually want to equip, we want to train, and we want to work together as a community to actually figure out how we engage with these topics. And not just these topics, but all topics. And I think the big shift in my heart for this has been that, that we would see not opposition, but opportunity. That we wouldn't see, you know, opposition where people are just against us all the time, but we would see an opportunity where actually we can step in and we can make a re- defense for the hope that we have. We can tell people about Jesus and we can tell people, actually, this is what I think and this is why I think it and this is why Jesus is good and he's loving and He's the way I want to follow. You know, like, you know, I was thinking, once again, like the LGBTI community, like 
their symbol on all their cafes, on all the places. It's a, it's a rainbow. I just think what a perfect opportunity to actually launch into a conversation. Like there's a direct link between that and the Bible. We all learn the story in, in Sunday school of Noah, the promise. And so what if we actually, instead of seeing that as opposition, we saw that as an opportunity to actually step into a conversation and go about that. You know, I think it's a different mindset that actually we have good news. We have good news and we've got to believe that and we've got to see the opportunity that these topics present to actually talk about deep issues, real issues. And in that, I pray that we'd be able to bring Jesus into that. So I'm excited. But I feel like often the topic of dealing with hot topics is a hot topic itself. You know, I actually, we, and we're funny, we're talking about, we, we talk about some of these things around the dinner table, and it's funny just watching how different people approach different things, and, and we, either we don't do it or we don't do it well, I think is often the thing, and, and I think it's because our culture has taught us two things, um, I've warned my youth kids about this, about my poor drawing skills so i warn you all hopefully i'll keep it simple enough that we can all understand um but we've been taught that things are on a spectrum that we have truth here and we have love and they they are opposites our culture tells us that we can't do both that you can either speak the truth or you can be loving i think that's often what our culture says that either you know you accept me or you disagree with me and you hate me that's, I think, often what we get portrayed. And I think often we sort of tend, personality-wise, we that like we were talking to house. Um, sorry, family, for ratting you out like this. But, like, Lauren is, like, the ultimate love, care, let's make everyone happy, all right? Dad is, like, truth, like, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, it's black and white. And I think it's a personality thing. But And what often happens in this is that this is a fight response, so we're going to fight with the truth or we're going to flee from the issue and um, we're going to love them. That says flee, by the way, not F-C-E, bad writing. That this is what we often get caught in. And so we feel like, okay, I'll come to this issue and I don't know whether to fight or whether to flee. Do I engage with it and disagree with someone and upset them? Or do I, you know, run from the issue and just love them, accept them for who they are and everyone's happy. And I think reading through Ephesians and thinking about this throughout the last couple of weeks, that actually there's got to be a third way. And, and this is where I think, you know, on our slide we have um, the next one. It says, um, speaking the truth in love, that we actually need truth and love. And this is a response of follow that we're not trying to sort of reinvent the wheel here. There's actually a third way, and that's the way of Jesus, who brings truth and love together. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we read elsewhere that God is love, that Jesus is actually truth and love together. And so our goal is not just to fight these issues or flee from them, but it's actually to follow Jesus. And that has to be the heart of all this. It's not about winning debates. It's not about, you know, making people feel good. But this is about us following Jesus, who is truth and who is love. 
Because in the end, you know, if we have love, but we don't speak truth, it's not very loving. But if we have the truth, but we don't have love, well, what's the point of truth, you know? But recognizing that Jesus is the embodiment of both. And so as we work through Ephesians um, this morning in this passage, I want to draw out some sort of rules of engagement, is sort of what I've called it. Actually defining a few sort of like ground rules for us that as we dive into these hot topics, that we would do it well. And that would grow deeper into truth and love. And, you know, that by our love for one another, that people would know we are God's disciples, that we are Jesus' followers by the way that we love each other with truth and that. And so, right in verse 1 of verse chapter 4 in Ephesians, we get Paul writing, he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have received. And I just wanted to emphasize this, that, that the walk is important. Not just that you walk, but how you walk, the manner in which you do it. That how we do this journey is super important. We go and, you know, one of the things I love about my life is being able to lead our schoolies rev trips and stuff. And um, I remember the first year we went, um, we had a great time, but one girl had a pretty bad experience. She didn't feel like she got along with people and stuff. And it really sort of changed the way that we sort of ran things because we recognized that actually it's not just about taking these students and going overseas and, you know, great, everything will work out from there. But how we did that journey had the potential to either, you know, make someone's trip great or make it really bad. You know, and you can read a lot of articles about mission trips which have a negative impact, not just on team members but on communities that they... And so... It really became, we had to do a lot of work about tweaking our language and, and really what are we going to focus on because we recognized that actually if we do this journey bad, we can cause a bit of damage. So the how actually became really important. I mean, we see the same thing in sport nowadays. I mean, you listen to any sort of professional sports team or even local clubs are getting into it now. It's not just about the results, but it's about the process. It's not just that we win a soccer match but it's about how we play we've got to play the right way we've got to play the right football we've got to develop people we've you know do you know like we're here all in our world and i think this exact same here with these hot topics and with our lives that we need to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received not just that we walk but how we walk you know i was thinking last night i was thinking about this and i was thinking about it came up in our church, like Mark Driscoll came up. Someone mentioned Mark Driscoll. And it's, like, it's almost like a naughty word to say nowadays, Mark Driscoll. But, you know, I was thinking about him. He did, like, his theology is fantastic. I like a lot of what he says. It's probably pretty similar to what our church believes and, you know, what I believe. And he didn't sort of commit any, you know, sins that disqualify him from ministry or anything. Do you know why he got stepped down from ministry? It's the way he treated people. He was he didn't acknowledge people that he you know he didn't he was it said oh where was it he was domineering attitude that he was sort of abrasive and he was harsh in his way of dealing with people and stuff and that that in the end led to 
um, him resigning and his church sort of, and people actually suggesting him to do that. He's a pastor that had so much influence. He had such a, such a massive influence. He had such a gift of teaching, you know, a smart mind. And yet, the way that he did that journey undermined what he was doing. So I think it's really important for us to recognize that this isn't just about getting the right answers. This isn't just about hot topics, you know, okay, this is what I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to do. But the next six weeks, it's really important about how we do this. And so Paul continues and he gives us how we do it. Um, The first one he says is with all humility. Humility is number one, that we are to be humble in this. Rick Warren writes that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. I think particularly in light of last week, that we are to love God and love others, that we actually put ourselves aside and you know, I would just encourage us that we would have a, a humble attitude when it comes to these hot topics. For me, what that looks like, it means it's a commitment to listen, a commitment to, to learn. Even carrying this sense of, you know, I'm approaching this, attitude, this topic and I could be wrong. For me, that, I think that's humility. You know, and, you know, particularly like if the Bible isn't clear, the implication has to be that my view could be wrong do you know if things something you know and once again you know i think of like our trips to africa and stuff and karen sort of talked about this a bit you know i i love going to africa because i love their culture they slow down time they're community focused like how cool like um gilbert comes home from school hol- like he's been studying real hard and yet he comes home on his school holidays and he works to support his family it's not his own pocket money that he's getting like but that's just the culture, is that it's about community, and I love that. And so one of the things we often talk about our teams is actually come here and learn and listen because maybe they've got something that we don't. Do you know, And that's, I think, the same attitude that we want to bring to these hot topics, that actually maybe someone else's view has got something that I'm sort of missing, and, and that's why we're a community. God didn't call just individuals to come and follow. He calls all of us to come and follow because we need to do it together. So, may we be humble. Verse 2 continues on, with all humility and with gentleness, that we need to be gentle with our approach to these hot topics. And once again, I'm saying hot topics, but really, we can apply this to all of life as well. Huh? Like, that actually, when we're dealing with these hot topics, sometimes we can talk about them as in, they're like abstract hypotheticals. They're like, yeah, one day one person might get into a relationship like this and therefore, you know, and we often talk about it sort of abstractly, but in reality, we're talking about issues that in- involve people. And they involve people that might be sitting here. They involve people that we might know, that are in our families, that are in our friendship circles. You know, we're, we're talking about current issues that people are in the middle of. You know, I'm sure if I was to ask around and we said who here knows someone that's, you know, either in a broken family or is in a same-sex relationship? Like, I'm pretty sure everyone's hand would go up. I, I, can, I know at least four or five on my Facebook list that I could tick off. Do you know? So, like, and so when we talk about these issues, we're not just talking about, you know, an abstract thing. We're actually talking about people that, you know, we've ministered to, that we've connected with and that we love and that we have a heart for. 
And so I think we need to be really gentle with how I approach this. And I think when you look at Jesus, like that's it, isn't it? He brings the truth, he brings love, but he does it gently. You know, you think, it, look at when Jesus tells parables. The very definition of his parables was that people weren't going to get it. He says that, you know, my parables are, you know, everyone hears, but not everyone hears. You know, and, and yet he's gentle with his people. That He sort of, he brings his disciples in, they go, I don't understand, again. And he tells them the truth in love, gently. And obviously Jesus did have some harsh words. His harsh words were for the Pharisees, for the religious people. And his harsh words are because they should have known better. You know, and I think, but recognizing that also, if you look at Jesus' life, a lot of, he spent a lot of time with the Pharisees. And we get recorded, you know, the, the harsh things he said, but he probably, he's, he, ate, he ate with them, he had meals with them, he was still loving towards them. And so, once again, coming back to last week, that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That in the end, people are really important. And so when we deal with these hot, hot topics, to keep that in mind, that this is about God and this is about people. So be gentle in your approach. The third thing Paul writes, he says, with all humility, with all gentleness, with patience. I'm going to just say it right here. The 30-minute-ish sermon that Glenn gives or Andrew gives or myself gives is not going to have all the answers for your hot topic and you're not going to get you're not going to go home with you know you know the world sorted out for you. All right? Just so we're all clear. Just because I need to get that off my chest because I'm not going to... I'm still wrestling with these things. I'm still trying to figure out what do I think. You know, I thought, like, so often we treat Sunday like the main meal. I thought, what if, like, what we did on a Sunday morning was either the entree or the dessert? And it just sort of either started our journey or it sort of completed the journey. And that actually we wrestle with these hot topics you know, throughout the week, that we talk about them in our homes, in our life groups and stuff, and that Sunday morning is almost just like a Kickstarter for that, or it's just a, you know, sort of conclusion of that. And that actually, as a community, that we would take it time to deal with these things. That, because in the end, it's an ongoing dialogue. We need to learn as a community how to discern the way of truth in a loving manner. Because in the reality, you know, we saw the five topics there that we're going through over the next five weeks. But in a year's time, there's going to be different hot topics. And in five years' time, there's going to be different ones. And so it's not just about getting the right answers, but it's about actually learning as a community, how do we deal with this? How do we take time patiently to actually discern the way of truth in a loving manner? Because the hot topics of today, (laughs) there's going to be different ones tomorrow. And that we're going to continually be on this journey as a community. And so... I want to encourage you to be patient, to be patient. To, as some NBA players are now saying, hashtag trust the process. If any, no one knows NBA here. Okay, that's sad. <laughs> the other thing Paul writes in verse 3 says that we'd be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I just thought, that is 
I just thought that's such a beautiful line. Like what if that was our heart? That regardless of, of these hot topics, that our heart would be that we are eager to maintain unity. That we're eager to maintain unity. That doesn't mean that we back down from the truth. It doesn't mean that we back down from our loving approach. You know, we need both. But too often, I think, we hear unity in our culture. We hear, okay, we've got to be together, and we go to the flee response. Okay, I'm just going to not say anything so that we can be a happy family. But that's not how it works. And, you know, in the end, we might agree to disagree. In the end, we might recognize that it's sort of a both-end approach, and we need a bit of this, and we need a bit of that, and we need to find a way to sort of balance them both out. But no matter what sort of conclusions we come to intellectually and all that sort of stuff, no matter what, like, may we still be unified on Jesus. May we still be unified on Christ, the solid rock that will not be shaken. And so... That's why we want to talk a bit of that now, because that's where Paul continues. You know, in verse 4, he says, there's one body, there's one spirit, and goes on. But we live in a world where truth is a really interesting thing. You know, in 2016, the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year, I've been doing some research, 2016 Word of the Year was post-truth. So, in a number of political campaigns, in... Western countries, this phrase sort of was adopted or commentators used it to define what was going on. Here's the definition. Relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. That's the world we live in, where how we feel... And what we believe personally has greater influence than objective facts. That's, that's our culture. You know, you can show someone, these are the facts, this is what's true. And they'll go, nah, that's fake news or that's something different. You know, like, I believe differently and, you know, you've made them up or whatever. That's, that's the world we live in where, where the objective facts don't have influence and that's why this is so hard because truth like people don't care about the truth they just care about how they feel and recognizing that we're in that culture as well that we often have that where actually it's i I like to just feel good so love me for who i am let me be me but we know as christians we know that we need the truth that the truth will set us free, that the truth of Jesus is what everyone needs. And so actually we need to bring a different approach, that actually people need the truth. And, you know, I just think, wouldn't it be awesome if as not just our church, but the church, if we could display this, that actually we could display to the world an approach of truth and love. And that it's possible to have both of them as we follow Jesus. Because in the end, that's what the Bible gives us. The Bible gives us absolute truths. It gives us, you know, core things that are foundational to our belief. And particularly if you think of Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, I think is probably one of the closest sort of t- cities of 
the Bible times that probably reflects what we live in today. Um, Ephesus was a large multicultural city. It was the third largest city in the Roman Empire. It was sort of a key center of trade, both on land and on sea. So there was a big harbor where a lot of trade went out, and it was also on a key trade route on the road. And um, it just therefore drew lots of different people in. There's lots of different people living there, lots of different backgrounds, um, lots of different beliefs, and it became this sort of pluralistic society where we just accepted each other, we all got along, um, and we just accepted everyone's gods, everyone's religions, everyone's beliefs, because that was the way of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire didn't come in and say, this is what you'll believe, and this is, you know, they were just like, you believe what you want, but just keep the peace, work together. That was the way of the Roman Empire, that's what Jesus entered into. And that was the city of Ephesus. They rejected the idea of the right religion and the only God. And there was lots of magicians, lots of cults, lots of all these different things going on. And the idea was, we just take a bit of everything. (laughs) That's what began to happen. We take a bit of this, we take a bit of that. Or, you're right, I'm right, we're all right, we're all happy, things are going well, we've got everything we need, we're a rich city, things are good. And it's into that context that Paul writes. And what does he write in verse 4? He says, There is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Why does Paul emphasize the one? He says it before each thing. Why does Paul emphasize one? Well, I think by implication that there were people that believed that there was two or three or four or five. Like there was people that were drawn into this idea that, you know, there's all these different things and we can just have a bit of that and a bit of this. But Paul writes, no, there is one. There is one God and one faith. And so really I think, once again, artistic ability is coming out. Um, (laughs) This is level two. I mean, last one was pretty good. Uh, circles are not my strong point, so I'll try. Not bad. All right. So what we have within our faith, if we have we have core issues, and we need to recognise that that there are core issues, and then there are what we would call secondary. Okay, that one's not so good. <laughs> you get the idea. So we have these core issues and we have secondary issues and we need to recognize that when we come to hot topics is are we talking about a core issue or are we talking about a secondary issue? Um, so some of these we can agree to disagree but we can still be unified on the core things. Um, it doesn't make these less like not important. I think that's what we often get caught in is that we feel like these issues are not important and these are. No, they're all important. They're all important things. But... We need to be unified on the core things. And that's what we've got to keep coming back to. And that's why I loved last week, you know, Andrew's sermon, just reminding us that actually love God and love others. Like we've just got to keep coming back to that because that is the core truth. That is what the core heart of all of us needs to be. The hard thing about this is that we live in a day and age where we disagree on what's core and what's not. And you can talk across many different contexts and stuff where where people 
disagree on what, what is and what isn't. And um, in reality, it's been that way for sort of all history. You know, you think of, you know, the Apostles' Creed. That was, a, I guess, a summary of what is the core beliefs. And they worked really hard. Every word was deliberated over. And it was this sense of, okay, what are the core things for us? And I think the reason I wanted, wanted to go back to this is because we've got to come back to the fifth rule, which is God's word is the, the authority. That we've got to come back to that, that everything that we think and we believe has to be based on God's word. That that's what it's got to come back to. That is the foundation. That's what God has given us for this life, to live holy, pleasing lives for him. This is, this is what he's given us. And remembering that it's, it's not a textbook, you know, so you're not going to find all the answers neatly presented in textbook fashion and it's just read it, reading and comprehension. You know, it's, that's, that's not what it is. In the end, the Bible is a story about God revealing himself for his glory, not for ours. And so in the end, that's, you know, once again, where it's got to come back to that, that God's glory is the priority. That this can't be about us. This can't be about how good we look or how smart I sound or how great my answers are and I'm going to convince everyone to join my side. Like it can't be about us, but it has to be about God's glory. That has to be the priority. Because in the end, we may suffer. We may be persecuted and ridiculed for what we say and think. Not by anyone in this church, by people outside. You know, they will hear what we say and they'll go, no, that's ridiculous, that's outdated, that's not relevant, whatever it is. But God's glory has to be the priority. We need to love Him and love others. So, as we approach these things, may we be humble, gentle, patient, eager to maintain unity with God's Word as the authority and with God's glory as the priority. And I just wanted to wrap up in this, that one of the main ways we do that, and that's where the rest of the passage goes, is by becoming like Christ. That in the end, that's got to be, I guess, the focus for us, or I guess in many ways, the goal. That's the goal. That through this Hot Topic series, through every series, through everything that we do, following Christ, that we become like Christ. And this is where the passage of Ephesians goes. If you follow through in verse 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. And then in verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And it goes on, And I, I think sometimes, like Paul writes in really long sentences sometimes and he puts a massive thought in. And so it's helpful to actually follow it through a little bit and, and to recognize, okay, what's Paul trying to say here? So Paul says that we're given grace, that grace is a gift. And because we're given grace, we're then given roles and we're given gifts. And those gifts are given to equip the saints. That he gives, you know, he says he gave the apostles, the prophets, he gave us these people, these roles, these gifts and these abilities to equip the saints for ministry and for building up um, the body. Ministry, within the biblical context, I think often ministry is sort of an outwards thing and the building up of the body is sort of the inward system. So we're given gifts and we're given roles for both. 
until we all attain, and it says that in verse 13, that we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I just thought, I just wanted to pause on that one for a second, because I thought, wouldn't that be cool? That as we approach this series, as we approach life, that we're not just concerned about whether I know what I think about the hot topic, but whether we all know it. That it's not just about me and what I think and all that, but what do we all think? That in the end, that we would all attain unity of faith, of knowledge of Jesus, and would all attain maturity and the fullness of Christ. But it doesn't stop there, because that's what Paul says, that we'd get those things so that we may no, no longer be tossed along by the waves and winds of doctrine and different schemes and deceits and stuff. But that's not the goal. Often I think we sort of stop there and go, because there's a full stop after that, and think, okay, that's, that's... No, it goes one step further. In verse 15 it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is in the head, into Christ. I think that's, that's our prayer. <laughs> that we would grow up. <laughs> that we would grow up, that we would become like Christ. You know, and uh, I, was, I was watching a movie the other week, so I realized I'd be going along, but it's my birthday, so you owe me a couple extra minutes. I was watching a movie the other week, oh, what the Karate Kid, the new one. I'm like, so not, no way near as good as the old one, but Caleb was adamant that it was. Um, and there's this scene at the start where you see, you know, he measure, measures how high he is. You know, they're moving house and he goes, you know, against the wall, against the door, gets the pencil out, measures how high, puts the date. And he's got, you know, I just thought, what if we became a bit more childlike with this? That actually we would measure how much we are growing. That we would actually ask ourselves, actually, have I grown? Have I become more like Christ in the last month, in the last three months? Over the course of this year, you know, have I, have I grown? Have I become more like Him? We need to, you know, ask people. Ask people that know you. Ask your grow group. Ask your life group. Ask your, your family. Ask God. Ask Him, like, am I growing? Am I becoming more like Christ? Because in the end, that's got to be the goal. You know, I, I just pray that in this Hot Topic series that we wouldn't just be smarter, that we wouldn't just have a few answers up our sleeves to when we get in a tight conversation. But my prayer is that we would become more like Jesus. Because that has to be the goal. And that wouldn't just be you as an individual. Don't just hear that for yourself, but hear that for us. That we would all attain unity. That we would all attain maturity. So my prayer is that we would walk the road well. That we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we receive. They would be humble, they would be gentle, would be patient, would be unified on the foundation of Christ, that would be obedient to God's word, and that we would do it for the glory of Him. And as we do that, as we walk in that way, I pray that the world would know that we're Jesus followers by our love for one another, that people would be drawn in to love Him and to love others just as we've been called to do. Amen? Amen. So what I thought I'd do just before we sing a song, you know, 
I used the sport example, yeah? Like, you know, sort of the process and the results. One thing we do before all of our sport games, we get in this little huddle. And I don't know why. I don't know what about a huddle gets people pumped up. Like, I think about it now. And, like, it's just weird. But, like, we get, we get so pumped in that little huddle. Our captain, our captain's the shortest player in our team. And he says all these things and everyone gets fired up. I'm like, it's weird, but it works. And so I thought, what if we could just have a little huddle? And I'm not going to like, you know, it's a bit too hot to like get real close and that's a bit awkward. Um, but what if you just stand and put your arms around the people next to you? Find some people, just sort of snuggle up into your row. Put your arms around it. We're going to be loving, not just in theory, but we're going to love each other in action as well. All right, so let me just... (laughs) Side hugs only, youth members, please. All right, let me... um, Can I pray for us? Can I pray for us? Let me pray. Father, we, um, we thank you for your love and for your truth. God, that your love and your truth has set us free. God, that we have been saved by you. And God, I just pray that as we look to follow you, that we would also embody who you are. God, that we would be truthful, that we would be loving. And Holy Spirit, we just know that we can't do this ourselves. So equip us and empower us to love you and to love others. That we would be gentle, that we would be humble, that we would be patient. We recognize that these things are fruits of the Spirit. So Father, we just pray that you would fill us with your Spirit and that your fruit would grow in us that we would be more and more like you. And in the end, God, that this wouldn't be about us, our church or anything like that, but this would be for the glory of you. So God, glorify yourself through us and in us, not just today, but for all days. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right. I'm going to invite the music team up. We're going to finish with a song. And... Um, once again, like I often say with a song at the end, that this is, this is a song of praise, but it's a song of prayer. And we want to sing that we would give God our heart. So that's our prayer this morning, that we would just give it to God, that our desire would be to honor Him. That would be our heart, that would be our desire, to honor Him, to worship Him. So... Um,